This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on. Well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 298. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we occasionally take a vacation. Folks, you're hearing this episode, and I am your host, Nagin Farsad. <laughs> I believe I forgot to mention. Uh, and as you hear this, I am potentially on a beach, theoretically, if all goes well, for a couple of days of R&R. And in that time, we have been putting together a very fun episode for you. So for this first segment, we are joined by John Lovett and Karen Chi, and we're going to talk about anxiety. But it's fun, but it's fun. Here we go with topic number one. We ran an interview with cognitive scientist Lori Santos in the Times called Yale Happiness Professor Says Anxiety is Destroying Her Students. And in it, the interviewer points out that there's this explosion in happiness studies and yet people continue to be unhappy. To talk about this, I am joined by comedian and writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers, the wonderful Karen Chi. Hey, Karen. Hello. And I am also joined by co-host of Pod Save America and host of Love It or Leave It is the wonderful John Lovett. Hey, John. Oh, hello. Um, so, okay, so we read this piece, um, and we'll talk about what Santos said uh, in a second. Um, 
But how would you explain this phenomenon of like everyone's talking about happiness and yet everyone seems to be unhappy? And I assume that the both of you are wretched and sad in your own regular lives. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think of myself as a pretty happy person, honestly. But I I wish I could see that through the Zoom screen, Karen, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I do feel like there are moments, though, where I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'm actually and like compartmentalizing my happiness where I feel like I'm very happy in my personal life and with my friends and family and then work-wise I sometimes am nervous about being happy with regards to my career because it feels like I'm maybe that equates to not working as hard you know oh, what I mean like complacency I, if you're if yeah. you're if you're content that yes. must mean that you're not going to advance because uh, only pe- people who work really fucking hard and are somehow stressed out and tired and a mis- yeah. little miserable those people advance and then you know what happened is I didn't realize I had started falling into that sort of mental trap and then I watched soul and I immediately was like oh no <laughs> Karen watch out <laughs> this movie is amazing so I truly walked away being like don't ever forget what soul taught you so have reoriented I my brain I haven't seen soul oh my God. okay I it's need gonna to change do your life oh my it's gonna God. change your life you're gonna Jesus. reorganize your whole life after you see this film Jesus Christ. everything will be different you have, we have to get you to a post soul mindset I've also not seen the film <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to start meditating after I see Soul? No, no. You're just going to be like, oh. Everything's okay. Things are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you'll be very glad for what you have and not just look at the things you don't have. Yeah. John, as someone who hasn't seen the movie Soul, <laughs> um, where are you on uh, the happiness rhetoric explosion and your own actual soul? Yeah, well, you know. Two easy topics. Uh, on, <laughs> on my own personal journey, I will say I, we are in a. I think one reason you are seeing a, a happiness discourse is because we're a, we're going through a period of tremendous trauma as a culture, mm. and it is very difficult to talk about the trauma you're going through while you're inside of it. Very few. Uh, Poems about house fires are written during the fire. Uh, they're they're just mostly those are just screams. You know what I mean? You want to you want to read some writing about what it was like to be in a fire after. And I think we're still kind of in a fire. So I think it's like we're kind of starting to feel like, wait a second, <laughs> I feel wrong. Something really bad has happened. We're we're kind of reeling. I think that's also you see that even in polling about like Joe Biden's low approval in the reading. It's like I'm just fucking pissed. And I'm going to blame you, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a darkness right now. So, but I I know that like, I personally feel as though I'm on the other side of a depression and it's interesting. It's like, there's this sort of like reluctance to talk about. It's not like a stigma. It's almost like there's this, I think it's easier almost to talk about being depressed than it is to talk about not being depressed. There's some almost like a bragging element to it, but I was extremely depressed for at least a year or two. And I didn't realize it until I started getting a little bit better. And then I caught wind of it. And I like said, you know what? We're not going back. We're going we're gonna to grab this. and We're going to see how we can keep building off of this and try to, try to get to a better place. And I feel like I'm in one. And I notice even in myself greater resilience. And the things that hurt me still do, but not as much. And like I think about that. You step back. I step back from that and I think... We have built 
so many different ways to hurt ourselves into our daily lives. Like we've built social media as a way of hurting ourselves. We've built these little distractions that take <laughs> yes, us. We, we have. We have. We've built these <laughs> yeah. little, 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 little pain points into our world. Um, and I think that that's really dangerous. Like I, I, like I, I think about like you go out to dinner on Valentine's Day, which is always a mistake. And then you look around and you see people on their phones, right? And like, I am not one to be like, we got to get off our phones, you know, look each other in the eyes. We got to be more present. But like, I do see, like, look what, look, look at the corporations that we've allowed to mediate our experience of each other every single day, all the time. Like, we can't begin to understand the toll that that's taking on us. We can't begin to understand what it means that we've gotten rid of all the time we used to have to just be alone with our thoughts. Like, mm. this morning I was walking the dog and I just was like, put your fucking phone in your pocket, you animal. Like, just walk <laughs> around your neighborhood. you looking down. Right. Walk around. And, like, it actually... You, you jitter a bit and then all of a sudden you realize like, God, this was incredibly valuable. I made eye contact with a neighbor. Our dog said hello. Like you make those little moments of connection. I do think that like the pandemic plus our phone addictions, which is new and something we're just beginning to understand, has combined to make us all, I think, pretty anxious and pretty depressed. And a happiness happiness debate, I think, is the first step for us figuring out how to be mature users of technology that is designed to destroy us from within. <laughs> I think a, <laughs> no, a really yeah, good go way to sum up what John was just saying is if you were because listening John did to this... such a t- John did such a terrible job of no, making no, no, his own say... case. Yeah, fix it. <laughs> no, 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 you no. fix it. A, a quick, I'm so I sorry. Just, I was trying to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Sum up. To a, a way to sum, sum up. up. <laughs> no, I was gonna say a quick. No, now it's too. It's been too long. No, no, say... we need it. We need it. <laughs> a quick. The takeaway from what. John was saying is if you were listening to this podcast on your phone, turn it off. Stop listening. Turn it off. <laughs> Never listen to Fake the Nation again. Unsubscribe from this show yeah. and then you'll be happier. No, I mean, um, I, you know, it's funny that you talk about having like a little moment walking your dog because I often have that moment walking my dog where I'm just like, walk your fucking dog. Like your dog is yeah. great. Come on. Um, the, st- the streets of New York are just like nothing but stuff to see and take in. You know, what are you and doing? <laughs> and avoid. Is that human urine or is that dog urine? Either way, avoid it. Look for it. Um, And I had a moment this morning when I went to a yoga class. Thank you. That's also a brag. Thank you. I went to a yoga class. Not a big deal. And um, and I, uh, it's like I have this knee jerk reaction going into the elevator to like check my email. Like I have, you know, one minute to to waste. What am I going to do? I'm going to check my email. And it's like, what is going to change about my email between now and when I can actually sit down at my computer when my work day has actually began? What is going to change? Like nothing. Like don't look at your email until you have time to actually deal with your email. What are you doing? I, I totally, I feel like I have that those kinds of moments all the time. And it's just like ma- making it into a habit that I don't pull out my phone is like the real challenge that I would love to do. And th- she talked just to get it back to the article. Look at what a great host I am. One of the things she talks about is like that we the reason we make these choices is because we lack intuition around these these daily incursions of technology into our lives. For example, she says and this sentence kind of really 
um, really stuck with me. She said, after a busy day, I want to sit and watch crappy Netflix TV shows, even though I know the data suggests that if I worked out or called a friend, I'd be happier. Mm. And how often do we make the wrong choice? You know what I mean? Well, see, I am coming. I think that's all true. But I really like it almost reminds me a little bit of how we talk about a corporation failing to protect your personal information as identity theft, as if you lost something right, and right, they right. didn't. Right. And like all of that is true, but like we as human beings have not evolved so substantially since like 1955, right? Our brains are our brains, our 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 attention systems are our attention systems. We are no match for this world. It's not your fault. Like Netflix is candy netflix is it is like we have pornography we have pornified so many aspects we've pornified food we've pornified tv we've pornified communication and so it's like there are these ways that we can get like quick release that is bad for us everywhere we go mm-hmm. and we are not built to fight it and to like deny it yeah, yeah. Of course. and so i i look you know i i <laughs> and there's no and there's no law to save us or to protect us from ourselves like you know we the us was had a massive alcoholism problem had a massive abuse problem still do obviously but we did prohibition and it was obviously a massive failure because people wanted to drink and then we got rid of prohibition but we had never we never went back to just how much abuse of alcohol there was in the past because we kind of learned or we got out of whatever it was that put us in that place we understood that we were no match for this substance in some fundamental way. And like, we need to find a way as a society to go through that process of like becoming more mature or finding ways to combat this thing because we are no match for this technology. And we are, we will look back on this era as, as one in which we were like profoundly fucked by it. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just profoundly abused by these, these technologies. Yeah, and, that's so and true. Oh, it's ahead. so true. And then, and, and then here's one thing I, I wonder what you think of this, Karen, that like they talked about in the article that you don't you don't need religion, but sort of you do. And it's like whatever that religion is like. So it's so in ways to combat all of this, there's evidence that cultural structures, religious structures, even smaller groups like your CrossFit team can cause true behavior change uh, from the article. And so, you know, there's evidence that and, and, and there's a distinction that that she made, which is that there's evidence that religious people are happier um, in a sense of like life satisfaction, and positive emotion. But there's two types of like religious people, right? There's like the people who just like read the Bible mm. um, and, and you, we're talking about Christians here. And there's people that like actually go to church, get do the spaghetti suppers, like donate to charity, participate in volunteer stuff, right? So there, it's it, there's two ways of being kind of religious, and one is just kind of like the textbook reading a thing on your own and being sad and alone, but reading a Bible, and the other one is being really engaged in your community. And and so it turns out that it's the it's the spaghetti dinners that is yeah. really doing it, right? It's the volunteering. It's that it's just the the engagement. So if you can mimic that in other in 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 a secular whatever your life your religion or your secular beliefs if you can somehow do that then you're gonna have more positive emotions um karen what do you think of that i think that makes so much sense i think it's the spaghetti dinners but i think there's also something kind of in the background of that too which is 
um, I think one of the most messed up things about social media, which I think was intentionally created this way, is that it's very you-focused, it's very user-focused, it's very much like how you are presenting yourself to everyone else, how everyone is presenting themselves to you. And so even if you feel like you're part of a quote-unquote community, it's actually really centered around yourself. Whereas I think in a religion, and kind of the same way, like, I love like hiking is the same way I felt when I was religious when I was younger is I felt very Mm. small and like a tiny part of this big beautiful thing that was moving regardless of what I did and the best thing I could do was to support it and be a part of it and I feel like that must be the best part of spaghetti dinners in a religious community right it's like you're talking to people you're engaging but also you're like I'm part of a bigger plan and I'm not just focusing on my flaws and what people think of my flaws or you know how awesome I look in this photo <laughs> um, which let's be, I, let's be honest I look amazing oh so amazing. good please put that's that on picks. tinder that photo um, and I also want to point out that my as a Muslim my main understanding of Christianity is now spaghetti that's my main <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 you are crusade, crusades some stuff happened spaghetti spaghetti yeah and that's where we are now okay um, folks let me know what is your spaghetti dinners like how are you doing it how are you combating it have you figured out the key to not being um anxious and let me know what those things are okay oh my god panel you (laughs) just outdid yourselves i mean i fucking thought you were really excellent well what i would love (laughs) is for the people of fake the nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do uh john where do they do that you can follow me on uh on Twitter at John Lovett, but more importantly, I don't really, uh, but honestly, truly, I don't give a fuck if you do or not. I actually want you to listen to Pod Save America. I want you to listen to Love It or Leave It. And I want you to go to crooked.com slash events because we're going on tour and I would love to see you and sign up at Vote Save America because we're going to start pointing people to ways that they can get involved in the most effective way possible as we head into a real slog of a midterm coming our way. Yeah, listen, Fake the Nation, You, we've been doing races to watch um, on the show. We didn't do it this week. We're, we're, we're getting back into it next week as I collate the races. Please keep them coming. Um, <laughs> and, and, and and Vote Save America is one of the things that I have um, promoted over, you know, over the years. So it was in 2020. So um, we'll be back to remind you, reminding you all regularly of, of uh, Vote Save America, of Swing Left, of, the, of some of the organizations that we love here um, that organize and get people excitedly enthusiastically um motivated in a fun civic actiony way and it's it's great and it's fun and it's supposed to not be horrible so let's all do a civic <laughs> action in a non-horrible way non-horrible activism <laughs> um karen where do people find you um i'm also on twitter and I and Instagram, but I gotta say it's mostly just family photos. So if you're interested <laughs> in looking at my family and personal life, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I'm part of a book that just came out called Eating Salad Drunk, and it's a bunch of comedians who wrote funny short poems, and um, all the proceeds go to this go get donated through this organization called Comedy Gives Back. So know that your money is going to a good place. Uh, what was the name of that book? One more time. Eating Salad Drunk. Eating salad drunk, folks. I still think you should, you know, get your beak wet on that book, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about other things. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app 
that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. For this topic, we are joined by uh, frequent panels on Wait, Wait, co-host of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, and host of the podcast Dad Badland, it's Adam Felder. Hi, Adam. Hey. I'm also joined by co-host of This Day in Esoteric Political History and historian at Columbia University is the one and only Nicole Hammer. Hey, Nicole. Hello there. So today uh, we read a piece called Ignoring a Text Message or Email Isn't Always Rude, Sometimes It's Necessary, and it was in the New York Times by Erica Dewan. And in it, she makes a claim that maybe, refer back to the title of the piece, Ignoring a Text Message Isn't Always Rude, or an email. Ignoring a Text Message or an Email Isn't Always Rude. So I guess my first question is, um, what is your relationship with timeliness uh, when it comes to texts and emails? It is, the, I think, a question that undergirds everything in my daily life at all times. Uh, so I don't know, where where are you uh, with that? Adam? Um, I, you know, I'm in a different place than I was pre-pandemic, and that's disturbing. I thought I knew the rules, uh, and then the pandemic hit, and then it feels like, 
like maybe we need a new Geneva Convention on relative <laughs> urgency based on <laughs> medium. You know, yeah, it used to be yeah. like if you're texting me, then you expect me to respond right like away, and I urgent. expect you to respond. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and if you're yeah. emailing me, you're giving me the leeway to wait a day or so. Yeah, you know, yeah. and if you're Twitter DMing me or Facebook messengering me, you're signaling that you don't really know me very well, and therefore right. I, I can decide whether to respond or not. Right. But that all seems to have come like now people feel free to respond to a text the next day, even after they've just texted me. And now I'm starting to do that. So I've, I feel like I don't know the rules anymore. And I would love to because I'm the kind of person yes. who responds immediately to everything if I f think I kind of have to. Oh my gosh. First of all, I love that you said this thing about texting, waiting a day and all that stuff, because I feel like, especially with text messages, the rules are sort of out the window. It used mm -hmm. to be an urgent thing. And I, I also kind of thought it was just me. Like something has happened in my life and it could be the global pandemic that happened to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> or it could just be, you know, um, uh, that I have a toddler. I Honestly, she started school this year. And there's something about her going to school that has dramatically affected my life. <laughs> like the morning and the preparing and the fucking lunch and the getting her there <laughs> and the fuck. And then fuck, I got to pick this little thing up and just, ah, oh, you know, it's like there's something about that that has absolutely ruined my ability to be timely on of like a wide array of things. Nicole, um, where are you on my toddler going to school? No kidding. Where, 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 where are totally you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, what, 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 how, has your relationship changed the way mine and Adam's have? You know, I when I heard this topic, I was a little worried that I was actually going, going to get ambushed with an intervention because I am so bad at responding to text messages and emails. And for me, the big change was I became an editor at the Washington Post in 2017. And suddenly so my inbox became ungovernable. Oh, like it was just, there was so horrible. much coming in. Yeah. I just, ha I have like 1200 unread messages right now. Yeah. And that's after yeah. doing like a big cleanse. So I, I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly asking for forgiveness. I feel like I respond when I get that second nudge email and I almost always say yes to things I shouldn't say yes to because yeah, I feel because so guilty, guilty about it yes oh um, my god it's so bad how often are we operating out of this guilt it's crazy me too me too you know and it's interesting because I've also noticed that it, it's very unclear what the rules are because the other thing that has happened to me more in the like I'd say in the last six months is I've been getting emails that are like hey didn't you see my email from like yesterday? So I'm also getting emails of people who are having an opposite thing happen to them where I feel like I'm having the thing where now I, I'm operating on more of a delay all the time. And then other people seem to be operating on a more speed than they were before. So it's sort of like a nation divided, you know, and we thought yeah. it was QAnon, <laughs> but really it's email speeds. Uh, it's Have you guys experienced this at all where people are just like faster and it's baffling? Yes. I mean, the idea that I would have even seen your email at that point in time that I'm getting a follow up <laughs> is, is really chances aren't high. So it, it feels like a 
like an avalanche of emails from people. Yes. Now, we we read, there's one thing I want to point out that there's also this idea that like, we had the term ghosting. And ghosting, I think, was generally used for romantic situations, mostly, 90% of the time, and 10% of the time for social situations, right? Friend stuff. But it seems like now ghosting has kind of entered the professional realm, uh, which I think is surprising. And maybe I've also done it, but usually accidentally because emails fall below the fold. And then what are you supposed to do when an email falls below the fold? So, I mean, does does is ghosting a legitimate, again, like in in the, the title of this article, ignoring a text message or email, ghosting isn't always rude. Sometimes it's necessary. So is has ghosting become a professional necessity? I, I, I think to some extent, and, and as Nicole said, for, for her, it, it absolutely did because there's just too many emails coming her way. And right. even, even in my life, I prioritize in such a way that I do find myself getting a little passive aggressive and I hate that. But I do like sometimes go like, you know what? I answer him 36 hours later so that he knows I'm not the I'm not the guy who's going to answer him right away. And I, I am playing stupid passive aggressive games in my yeah. own inbox. But also oh, this people is are a, doing that to like, me. It's like it's like Game of Thrones email edition is what <laughs> yes! it's so much intrigue. But here's yeah. here's a possible consequence. And I don't, I don't want to bring the room down. But there's this guy who I'm who I, I'm involved in a professional relationship with a couple of is my it, friends. Is it Peter Sagal? It's Peter Sagal. No, there's this guy that, um, you know, over the pandemic has gotten less good about answering, even though professionally he really has to answer. Yeah. Um, and as a result, right now, myself and two of my colleagues don't know whether he's doing that thing that he's been doing right. or if he's in fact dead. Right. Like, you know, like we, we passed the barrier of like he usually waits this long and then doubled and tripled that. And it's it's just put us all in a very weird place because you want to respect somebody's right to ghost because I guess we all need it. But then at some point you're like, hey, has anybody heard from him? So exactly. So that's crazy. So what this guy seems like he might need is the triage technique. Yes. Um, they they talk about Cal, Cal Newport, who's one of these kind of sort of um, well-known organizational guru dudes, um, talks about triaging your emails. And it sounds like you did a bit of that, Nicole, when you were getting that barrage at the Washington Post. Can you explain what it is? Sure. So the idea of triaging is just like it is at a hospital. You take care of the most urgent things first and you get to the um, less ill patients later, right? So the less urgent emails you pick up later. And I certainly do some triaging. If I see something come across the transom that I'm like, oh, I need to respond to that immediately. Usually these are things that tell me that I've missed a deadline right. or like that have a, a a tone to them uh, yeah. because I've missed earlier emails. <laughs> um, but the yeah. problem is exactly the below the fold problem you were talking about, which is even if it's an email that I care about and it's something that I want to yes. respond to, yes. it falls into the pit. And once it's in the pit, it's gone. It's, and once it, it's in the pit, it's yeah. like you have to wait for a magical day that you have nothing else to do but manage your the administration of your laptop. And in that day, you might be able to get through 50 emails. And then you may see it if the fold isn't two folds, you know? Right. <laughs> 
if it's so, two clicks on Gmail, it's just it's, it's not happening. I mean, it's hey, not happening. Hey, how do we feel about what Gmail's doing now? Because for me, it's an engine of guilt and resentment. Have you noticed that they start letting you know yeah. that you haven't you responded or that they haven't responded? Yep. Yeah. It's like you received this five days ago, parentheses, you fucking bitch. Exactly. And you haven't responded. Uh, and Extremely passive aggressive technology. Oh, completely. Yes. I mean, there have been a few instances where it is really come in handy i gotta be honest saved my life yes then there's been a couple instances where i was like i don't need it right now gmail thanks (laughs) i'm really tired and this isn't helping me (laughs) so i i feel like you know the the thing that um kyle newport also talked about or or um cal Kyle, Cal. If you're a really good friend, you call him Kyle. But everyone else calls him Cal. Um, is that you dispense with the pleasantries in a lot of these things? I wonder how informal and like toneless have your communications become? Uh, because because he wrote, you know, in the context of digital communication, the sender often actually prefers avoiding the receipt of additional messages when possible. So like. You know, and, and that you would write, hello, how you doing? Hope you're good. Whatever. This is the blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, so good. You know, hope to hear from you soon. Whatever. How condensed have your emails become? I mean, I'm a Midwesterner, so I can't I can't do it. I have to say hi. I have to ask how people are. I have to wish them well. And it, it I just, I should knock them back. Yeah. But I feel like it. it's only polite. As but it sends prom- false signals. Go ahead. Go, no, I was going to say, as a, as, a, as a prom springian, there is a sort of Wisconsinian wheel of cheese in my heart that <laughs> also doesn't let me, like, I, I feel like every email deserves a, like, hi, hope you're well. I just wanted to check it. Like, additional words that nobody needs. It makes me feel weird to, like, not do it. I just can't do mm-hmm. it. Adam, I'm, I'm with you guys, um, and I think that that's led to more hurt feelings. I think I would guess on all three of our parts, because when somebody isn't like that, isn't like us, uh, not like us here in the extended universe, <laughs> and, and they just like you, you, you send them a somewhat lengthy email, and they reply, "Sounds good." Right. I will look at that. Sounds good, and go like. Well, I and guess it like, doesn't sound oh, that good. I do you, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, um, I guess you don't you don't care if I live or die. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you wrote sounds good, but you meant fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, I th- I guess we're just too sensitive. You know, the the there's a this this wonderful woman um uh, who's a little older than me, and you know she's she's kind of talked to me in a mentorship capacity a lot over the years, and she wrote um you know I was complaining about like I just can't get to all the emails, and I was like almost gonna cry. You know, I was almost crying, and she took out a piece of paper. She was like, "Do you have a piece of paper?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah." And she took took this piece of paper and she wrote on it you have permission not to respond to any emails and she signed it and she dated it and she's just like here anytime you feel bad about not responding to emails i want you to i want to post this on your wall you know what i mean this is your permission not to respond to emails you have better shit to do you know and i was like oh "Oh." and then and then i really did cry because she was just showing me such like (laughs) compassion that moment of just like you have so much going on it's okay you know um so i don't know i kind of wish i could write that for everyone is like you have permission not to respond to emails i get it 
Can I borrow that mentor of yours at some point? I want to. <laughs> I, I want to be a complete human like her. Shout out Ruth Ann. She's so brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I think like when I I I have often thought nobody enjoys this form of life that we're all living that includes all of these forms of communication, mm-hmm. right? Nobody enjoys it. I can't name one person who enjoys the the breadth in the extent and the volume of communication. And so I keep thinking we're just the guinea pigs here and it's going to pass. Like we're all going to go get to the other side of whatever, however the, where our lives are supposed to pan out to where we do know how to handle it or we just get rid of it. What I mean, do you think there's a future in which we just sort of like, oh, yeah, we don't like do email? I mean, it's a bright, beautiful picture that you're painting. (laughs) I I love the idea of it. Yeah, yeah, you keep believing in that again. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it will. But isn't it crazy for a thing that everybody (laughs) hates to just be upheld in this way? I mean, it says an American who's also baffled by gun laws. But, like, it's just, like, it's baffling to me. Um, All right, folks of Fake the Nation, what is your relationship? Have you, uh, also, if you've emailed me, I know I'm sitting on, like, I don't know how many emails from Break the Nation listeners. Email That's me again. Okay. It's I know it's okay, but also <laughs> the thing that I have also always told people um, is email me again because I will forget or I it'll fall under the fold. Email me again, you know, because I do want to help. I do want to be, you know, an, a, an ally, a supporter or whatever it is that you're doing and you have questions, uh, you know, um, so email again. Uh, and And I'm really sorry. And just know that in my heart, I am responding. <laughs> and, then, and then in my other heart, we just don't have email altogether. <laughs> um, all right, folks, that is the end of the show. You guys are just so gosh darn delightful. Thank you so much for doing the show. And what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all of the wonderful things you do. Nicole, where do they do that? Uh, Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Past Punditry. I write a weekly column at CNN.com. And you can hear me on This Day in Esoteric Political History or on my podcast, Past Present. Jesus Christ, you're uh, you're busy. You're busy. Okay, I got a few things. That's you why have I don't a lot. There's out. so many, many ways to connect with Nicole and read and hear all of the wonderful things that she does. You should absolutely do that. I'm I'm convinced. Also, folks um, who don't know, Jody Avergan is one of the co-hosts of this day in Asterisk Political History, and uh, you know, so uh, I, I I know that you will love that podcast and um, everything that Nicole does, Adam. Where yeah. can they find you? Well, you can find me at Adam Felber on all the uh, all the socials. And of course, you can hear me co-hosting Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, which is a podcast that coincidentally also involves Paula Poundstone. Um, <laughs> my new book just came out a couple of months ago. It's I co-wrote it with a with a B-movie impresario named Charles Band. It's called Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking. And this guy's life is 100% batshit insane. So that book is... Worth your time, but mainly, Nagin, if I can do this, please, Dad Band Land. That's my new podcast, and it is so fun. It is an exploration of 
all the music that you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band of which I am a member. <laughs> oh my God. I love the idea of this podcast. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into it. They, if they haven't already subscribed to Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone, do that and then immediately go subscribe to Dad Badland because it sounds so fucking fun. And I know Adam and I know that it is fun. Folks, thank you for listening to this very vacation episode of Fake the Nation. I am still going on the road. You can find me in Chicago on April 15th and 16th. So if you're in Chicago, please come on by. I'll also be in Irvine coming up, Worcester, and New York City at Joe's Pub. Um, all my dates are at nagineforsad.com, my website, and I post about them on uh, social medias. So uh, I, if you're in any of these towns, I hope I get to see you in the wild. But I would really like to thank all the people that make our show possible. That's our wonderful audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, our fantastic producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps people find the show. You can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com with whatever ideas you might have for the show. You can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.